every Thursday morning, Lincoln Riley, he jumps on the Zoom call with the media, and we are allowed to talk about the week of practice, what's ahead for the game, and anything else that's on our mind. I had a question for Lincoln Riley. You are Locked On Trojans, your daily podcast on the USC Trojans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, fight on everyone. I'm your host, Mark Culkin, and thank you for making Locked on USC your first listen every day. Whether you're watching this on YouTube or wherever you like to download your podcast, we are free. I appreciate your support. If you're watching on YouTube, show your appreciation. It's free. It's easy. Hit that red subscribe button. When you see that thumbs up, hit it, smash it. And I don't want you to miss one episode Monday through Friday. Hit that bell notification button. This episode is sponsored by Game Time. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off your first purchase. So I mentioned every Thursday, Lincoln Riley, he sits down with the media on a Zoom call. It's kind of our last chance to get anything off our chest, ask a question that we weren't able to get out um, after the game last week or during the week after practice. And it's it's kind of like our own our own version of Coffee Talk with Linda Richmond. Anybody who's an old Saturday Night Live fan, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So talk amongst yourselves. Everyone wants to know, um, one of the first questions that was asked, everyone wants wants to know why so many players were used and and what was gained by playing, you know, the entire roster against San Jose State. Uh, Because it was put into the context that, you know, is Riley using these games, excuse me, treating them like a preseason game. And, you know, Coach Riley said, you know, it's obviously different than the NFL because these games in college, in terms of wins and losses, they count. So, quote, there's some experimenting with the lineups depending on the guys that have earned reps. I do think you're still kind of figuring out the personality of the team. Um, Riley said the spring game is pretty much the closest you can get to simulating a real game. But that first one feels different with an opponent in a much fuller stadium. And he said he used the tape to identify areas where they need to get guys settled down and just to go play ball. When it was my turn to ask a question, uh, I wanted to know how Lincoln Riley grades, you know, himself and the staff after games. Uh, How about, you know, the same way, do they do it the same way that they would grade the players when they're watching film? And he he gave a really nice detailed answer. I'm going to try and read through this verbatim. Yeah, we grade ourselves just like we grade the players, whether it's going back through, you know, man, there's a million ways to do it. We grade ourselves on quality calls that we thought we made right. And did we continually put our guys in the best positions? And some of that is game planning through the week. And some of it is, you know, did we get the, did we get the right call in the moment that you have to make? Did we get that kind of call right? Mm-hmm. We grade ourselves on, did we play the best lineups? Were our sub patterns good? We grade ourselves on our communications because, you know, obviously uh, these things start moving quickly and you're dealing with the headsets. And there is a lot going on. And he was emphasizing, I mean, his eyes got really big when he looked into the camera. You know, I guess when you're wearing the headsets, there's multiple conversations going on. So 
he's kind of kind of he has to be able to muddle through that and you know find out where where he needs to say something where he just needs to let it go and let those guys work on it. <clears throat> and he said he actually said you know we're probably harder on ourselves than we are on the players because we don't want to we don't want to let the guys down and we want to make sure we're doing our part for the team. We evaluate that and we spend a lot of time on it. Another thing we try and do, and, and it's not just in the staff room, if we make a mistake as coaches, we try to own it in front of the team too. If I screw something up in a game, I'm going to tell the team because I'm going to call you out if you mess something up. So he had a little bit more to say after that, but I asked the follow-up question if he gave out a grade uh, for the first game to the staff. And like I would, I like I didn't give a grade for the defense, a, a letter or a number grade. Um, Riley said he graded himself on the staff this way. Quote, it's more about going back and looking at situations that happened, calls that happened, and then identifying what and where we need to do better. So I, I hate to call it situational mastery because we'd like to close that chapter of USC. But, you know, in, in, in coach speak, that's what it's all about. Taking the situations where, oh, you know what? We didn't do well there. Let's let's try and do it differently this time. If you want to give a letter grade to the uh, to the coaching job from game one, I don't know, C plus, B minus, there's obviously areas that they have to work on. Something else that uh, Lincoln Riley spoke about in our uh, in our coffee talk, uh, he had high praise for both Eric Gentry and Lake McCree uh, because both of their names were talk, uh, mentioned specifically. As far as Eric Gentry, he said, quote, he was impactful last week, uh, adding that there's a notable difference in his physical stature and his mental understanding of the game and the scheme. When Gentry was one of the guys out on the field that rose up to the occasion and played well, he put himself in the conversation of a guy that needs to be playing more reps, starting, I mean, all that stuff, end quote. If you remember, when, when Gentry was on the field against San Jose State, that's when the defense looked their best. Uh, they got their, what, three series in a row where they had three and outs. Uh, they had a couple more series that he, when he was out there that he, they might have gave up one first down during that offensive series for San Jose State, but that was it. So, yeah. The more Eric is on the field, uh, the better the defense is and the more versatile they are because they can now start using other players where they might have better strengths in other areas. Kind of, you know, especially with the linebacker, uh, linebacker pairings. <laughs> And then as far as Lake McCree, he said he's really locked in to what we're to what we're doing. And he added that he's taken ownership of the tight end position and room. I think he's primed to have a very impactful year. That's probably not what USC's opposing defensive coordinators wanted to hear. That the uh, tight end position is now open for business in USC's offense. Not like they don't have enough toys to play with at running back and wide receiver. Let's just add one more component to it. Look, if nobody's going to feel sorry about USC's defense, let's not feel sorry about other teams having to go up against USC's offense. Uh, Riley also talked about freshman Elijah Hughes 
and why USC was able to hang around in his recruitment when it uh, when it took longer than they expected from him, uh, they anticipated for him to commit. There was, he almost went silent on the team on on the coaching staff for a little while, but they kind of just stuck with it, kept the, the the lines of communication open, kept that relationship going, and Riley really feels like they stole somebody out of you know Big Ten country or SEC country. You know, he's from Virginia. And um, they got a good one. And Lincoln Riley's really high on this young man. So they know he might not be the highest rated recruit out of the 2023 class, but these guys know how to evaluate talent. And then a few other guys that he mentioned uh, that stood out during practice uh, that we don't get to see all the time. Michael Jackson III, he'll be available. That's another return weapon on special teams. And that takes some of the pressure off of Zachariah Branch. Makai Lemon at wide receiver had a really good week of practice. Sierra Wright also apparently had a really nice week of practice bouncing back. And they also talked about both the safety and nickel positions. But overall, Lincoln Riley on these Thursday Zoom sessions, he's an open book. He'll answer any questions as long as it doesn't, you know, offer any advantages to the opponent. And if you know how to phrase the question the right way without, you know, putting them on the spot, you know, he like is a pretty smart guy. He'll, he'll understand where you're coming from or what the question really is and give you an answer without um, maybe giving away or, or bending too much, so to speak. So next time we talk to him, it'll be uh, Saturday after the game. He'll have some of the players up there with him. And then we'll get him again after Tuesday's practice next week. So there you go. Coffee talk with Lincoln Riley. Trojan fans, stop stressing out trying to get game tickets. Download the Game Time app now, right now. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you want to have. And if you're a Trojan bandwagon fan, you just kind of got around to becoming a USC fan, forget planning and planning months in advance for tickets. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. You can get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, for basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and so much more. The Game Time Guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time is going to credit you 110% of that difference. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat right before you buy. You're going to know exactly what to expect when you arrive. It takes two taps and you're done. And then the tickets are sent directly to your phone. You're never going to have to go through your email to find them. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off your first purchase. Terms do apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. The college football season is here, and this season, Locked On is kicking up our coverage. Each Friday, Locked On will go live from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern on every Locked On College YouTube channel, including this one. Locked On College Football Live will cover the college football playoff implications, the conference rivalry games, and go in-depth like only Locked On can 
including insight and analysis from our stable of Locked On College hosts covering their team every day. I'm in that stable, by the way. Find Locked On College football every Friday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern on any Locked On College YouTube channel. You won't want to miss it. And if you're watching this show in the morning, I'm probably on live right now. 8.25 a.m. Friday, September 1st, I'm on live Locked On USC. All right. We'll do that every Friday. So in this segment, I want to show a little bit of respect to USC's opponent, the Nevada Wolfpack. Can Nevada be a threat to USC this weekend? I mean, look. Um, I think it would probably take a couple of Tanya Harding's hitmen and Lincoln Riley suspending half the team for Nevada to have a legitimate chance of beating USC. Speaking of suspended players, by the way, the Pac-12 office, um, they've suspended Christian Roland Wallace from this week's game, at least for the first half. And this goes back to what happened in the uh, their, the Arizona game versus the Arizona State game at the end of the season last year. Big bench-clearing brawl. It happened in the second half. So there was like four or five players that were suspended that are still playing college football. And their penalty carries over into the season. So Christian Roland Wallace will not be playing in the first half against Nevada. Uh, this was the statement from the Pac-12 conference. Regarding the suspensions, all four student athletes with remaining eligibility involved in the AS Arizona State versus Arizona altercation near the conclusion of the final game of the 2022 season will serve their first half suspension in week one of the 2023 season per NCAA rules. Apparently, week zero doesn't count. So back to how Nevada can uh, pose a threat to USC. Look, some of us are older, and we remember USC losing to a 41-point underdog at home. Nevada's only a 38-point underdog, so obviously stranger things have happened, right? I don't think it's going to happen in this game, but... I do need to bring that up just for comparison point of view. It would literally, I think, take for Nevada to, I don't want to say beat USC, but to have a very competitive game to make USC fans stress out and sweat. Nevada would have to play a perfect game of football with a bunch of trick plays, and they have to score touchdowns on every single offensive possession. And then for some reason, USC just can't get out of their own way. And on every offensive series, they're ending up shooting themselves in the foot. They're playing behind the sticks. In other words, they look a lot like Florida did against Utah Thursday night. We're going to talk about that part of that in my rant in, uh, in the third segment coming up here very soon. Last year, Nevada, they went 2-10. That was their record. On offense... They averaged just under 19 points per game, 18.8. And that was their second fewest in their 31 years of playing football at the FBS level. Before that, they used to be FCS. Nevada ranked in the bottom 10 in the nation in pass efficiency and in the bottom 15 in rushing yards per attempt. So offensively, last year, and they're probably not going to be that much better this year, 
um, they're not going to pose a big threat to USC. Overall, they got per game last year, they averaged 305 yards per game. That's good for like 122nd in the nation. That's like where USC's defense rank. 122nd in the nation. Uh, their new quarterback this year is Colorado transfer. He's a dual threat. You might recognize the name of Brandon Lewis. Uh, the last time he went up against USC, he didn't have a very good game. So we'll see if he, uh, a couple more years of experience, if that'll help. He's looking to turn around uh, the Wolfpack program that threw more interceptions. They had eight last year than touchdowns. Seven. Ouch. They, uh, now, they're probably going to be a little bit better on that side of the ball because they got a they got a bunch of transfers uh, through the portal and a lot of guys uh, from Power Five programs from Oregon, from USC. A couple of names you probably you might recognize one Sean Dollars running back from Oregon. Um, USC recruited him. Well, they didn't recruit him as hard as Sean Dollars would have liked. That's why he ended up Oregon. Another running back they transferred in from Cal, from Berkeley. His name is Ashton Hayes. Not a lot of experience, but again, power five running back. And then if you're a Trojan fan, you're going to recognize the name John Jackson III. In his career for USC, four catches, 39 yards. I hope he has that many at least in this game. And if half of those are touchdowns, I'm fine with it. If those are the only scores Nevada gets, let's make sure it's JJ getting them. It would just be sweet irony. It just would be awesome, especially knowing his dad's up in the press box watching the game. Now, last season, Nevada allowed almost seven tackles for loss per game. USC met that number against San Jose State. Nevada's offensive line returns players that only have a total Cumulative, combined, 37 career starts total. That, I think that's not good. They allowed 34 sacks last year, and they their rushing game, they were only able to generate three yards, 3.3 yards per carry. This is the game where USC's defense should look really good. When you're playing against a deficient offensive team, even if you're a deficient defensive team, when you've got the better Jimmys and the Joes, you should still dominate. So, again, their offensive line is inexperienced. Um, they're, they've got, they have a sophomore. His name is Isaiah World, who's got the most career starts. I don't even know how many, but he's a sophomore. So, let's say he's got at least last year plus, hopefully he's got at least, you know, 10 games under his belt. Um, and then, you know, what about defensively? As Is there anything that they can do to stop USC? Here's what I'm going to ask. Here's the rhetorical question to my viewers and listeners. Was there anybody last year defensively who was able to stop USC on offense? I guess everybody would point to Oregon State, their first USC's first road game of the year. Other than that, no, not even Utah. Utah beat USC both times last year. But they didn't do anything to stop USC's offense. And typically, Utah is going to be, they have the best defense in the Pac-12 conference. So the answer is no. 
Um, this game should be over rather quickly. There, there's really nothing Nevada can do to, to, to pose a threat to USC in this game. And when I say this game should be over quickly, I literally mean this game needs to be over at halftime. All right, it's Friday. What do we do? I always like to get off a little rant to get out, take off for the weekend. I got my rant for you. And it's about college football. The first full weekend, it's here, it's back, and uh, it feels great. I don't, I don't want to rant about it. The rant, it's a good rant. It's Mark is bloviating about college football being back. That's what he's ranting about. So, of course, Thursday night football. We had a nice slate of games. I watched uh, Utah host Florida. And then I was flipping back and forth watching Minnesota host Nebraska. Those are going to be some USC opponents starting in 2024. Well, I don't know. Those teams will be on the schedule, but USC will be part of the Big Ten Conference. <coughs> Excuse me. So I was watching those two games. And let me tell you, I got one word. Yikes. So. First of all, it's been, what, 32 years since the University of Florida played a true non-conference game outside the state of Florida. That is freaking embarrassing. Almost as embarrassing as their performance in Salt Lake City. Look, I, I don't know why Florida schedules out of conference the way they do. It's not like they schedule Florida State and Miami on the schedule every year. They don't. Here's the thing. Out-of-conference scheduling is one of the most unique things about college football. About college football. That's what makes it special. One of the things. You compare it to the NFL, they've got a finite number of teams you know, that they can schedule from. And the league does the scheduling. In college football, each program gets the opportunity to set up their own out-of-conference schedules. And there are more than enough teams out there to choose from and to cycle in and out. You don't have to choose the Mercers or the Citadels or the Tennessee States. Look, I I want to come back to the to the two games I was watching, but I, I needed to get that off my chest. So there was a little bit of a rant in there. I know the talent levels are different between San Jose State, Utah, and Florida. However, Florida looked like those USC teams before Lincoln Riley arrived. I mean, oh my God. It, there, here's one sequence of events that happened to Florida against Utah. And this is, you know, probably not why they lost, but it led to their loss. You had two guys wearing the same jersey number on a punt return. That, by the way, the guy fair caught inside the five-yard line. So, two mistakes there. They weren't going to keep the ball because of the penalty. That happened on a fourth and three. They forced the punt. You had two guys wearing the same number jersey. Five-yard penalty. First down for Utah. Then, they missed a field goal because of an illegal procedure penalty. And on fourth and one inside Utah's red zone, that's when that happened. 
Florida had four five-yard penalties in the first half alone. All that happened in one sequence, and that ended up giving Utah a 14-3 lead. So you have a penalty on the punt. Utah gets the ball back. They drive. They score. Look, again, I understand that Florida is playing on the road at Utah, and it's not like USC has had a lot of success in Salt Lake City either, but the Trojans looked a lot better prepared in their season opener than either Utah or Florida. I get Cam Risen wasn't playing, but Florida is not a good coach team right now. And the fact that Utah struggled as much as they did at home on offense if Florida had any sense of an offensive identity, I'm not sure Utah's defense is up to it this year. It was 17 to three at halftime. The final score ended up being 24 to 11 in that game. And that game was only slightly better, easier to watch uh, than Minnesota's three to nothing halftime lead over Nebraska. That, that game ended the final score 13 to 10. And Minnesota needed a 47-yard field goal at home, literally with time expiring, to beat Nebraska. And look, some of you might out there might have a sentimental spot in your heart for Nebraska and Cornhusker fan because they are some of the best fans in the country. That's another one-score loss. Nebraska is 2-14. and 14 in games decided by one score or less in the last three seasons. They just can't break through. I know they got a new head coach, Matt Rule, but they need to court they need to find a quarterback. They had four turnovers and you're not going to generate any type of offense when you don't have a quarterback and you're turning the ball over, especially on the road. And they ended up losing 13 to 10. Other one other game out there that of significant excuse me, of significance uh, North Carolina State struggled with UConn. It was 10 to 7 late in the third quarter. They ended up winning the game 24 to 14. So look, I get it. And I understand the Trojans have high expectations for the season. And I got and I get that they've got a lot of stuff to work on. But once again, things are not as bad as everyone wants them. Or things aren't as bad as some people seem to perceive it to be. So, church fans, if you watched any of those games that I talked about, Nebraska, Minnesota, Utah, Florida, how much energy do you really still have left inside of you to complain about how bad USC looked in their opening game? Here's the thing. If everybody takes their cardinal and cold blinders off and really just take, take a peek, watch college football this weekend, see what happens. Tell me if other programs don't have issues as well to work on. Look, if we're still having the same conversation after game three or game four about USC's defense and Alex Grinch is the biggest, worst villain in the world, we're going to have a lot to talk about. Right now, it was game one. I'm not making excuses, but when you compare it to other programs across the country in their game one of the season, Everybody looks like they got stuff to work on. I almost said a bad word. Everybody's got stuff to work on. 
So we'll see how much improved USC looks from their week zero game against San Jose State, which they won going away 56 to 28 into week two against a Nevada team that is probably even more inferior than San Jose State. So we'll have lots to talk about next week on Locked on USC. Don't forget, when you're done here, especially if you're watching early enough, head on over. I'm going to be live on Locked on College Football Friday. We'll talk about it all again next week. So until then, everyone, have a great weekend. Fight on with USC. We know they're going to beat Nevada. I'll see you next week. So until then, everyone, you know what to do.